What is fascism? Could fascism happen here in America? Stand back and stand by. What can we do to stop it? You can't love your country only when you win. You're listening to The Other F Word, a series all about fascism in America on Mornings with Serlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. As part of our series on fascism, a little bit of a deep dive, we're going to be joined by Professor Jason Stanley for our first part of The Other F Word. Good morning, Professor. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on. So this series, you know, I want to package it together so that people have not just um, an understanding of the danger that we are in right now in this country, in the United States, but also just a full foundation um, of what fascism is, how it works, and how it's manifesting in this moment in time. So I want to start just with a basic definition for people who are completely uninitiated. They have never really understood, you know, the difference between fascism, authoritarianism, you name it, the ism. So first question, what is fascism? So fascism is a cult of the leader who promises national, uh, who promises a national restoration in the face of supposed humiliation by immigrants, sexual minorities, including sexual minorities and feminists, liberals, socialists and communists. He says they're trying to replace the power of the dominant majority uh, and the nation needs him to defend it. And in terms of some of the characteristics that you might see in fascism, what are some of the manifestations? The manifestations are armed militias, uh, so uh, attacks on the press, attacks on abortion, women's rights. Uh, so, so democracy is based on freedom, and so liberty—that's its chief value—is liberty. So, when you start to see liberties erode. When you start to see books being banned, school curricula being narrowly uh, narrowly monitored, so they're only patriotic and nat- nationalistic. When you start to see militarized police, vast uh, prisons. Uh, uh, when you start to see minorities being targeted and imprisoned, uh, law and order politics demand uh, claims that the opposition party are traitors and really hidden communists seeking to overturn the country. And so emergency powers are needed in order to seize control and prevent them from so doing. Uh, so these are characteristic manifestations of fascism. Um, attacks on uh, LGBT communities, uh, the, the uh, Nazi ministry, uh, the Ministry of, of Abortion and Homosexuality was one of their most powerful ministries. So these are all, uh, and, and attacks on democracy itself. It's, it's so scary <laughs> when you list those out, because I know everybody at home is thinking about um, examples uh, from recent history. When we think about the characteristics of fascism that we're seeing right now in the United States, um, you know, there are there's a lot of there are a lot of experts on fascism, but not all of them categorize what we're seeing here with Donald Trump and sort of the Trump cult as fascism. Why do you think it is fascism and disagree with with, you know, other experts out there who 
um, say that, you know, it's bad and maybe authoritarianism, but it's not fascism. So I think a lot of people who work on fascism are European historians. And mm. frankly, they think, oh, Americans aren't smart enough to be fascists. <laughs> fascism is this intellectual thing that, you know, you have to be European to see. But in fact, you know, Hitler took uh, instructions from the United States. Uh, in, in Hitler's second book, he, you, he puts the antebellum South there as, uh, as a model for what he wants to do in Ukraine. Uh, he speaks of the genocide of our indigenous population uh, as a model. Uh, in Mein Kampf, he, say, he praises the United States as an example of the national state, the kind of national state he wants to build uh, in Germany. The, uh, our harsh immigration laws uh, uh, were a model for, uh, for European fascism. And the Nuremberg Laws, the, central, the centerpiece of German fascism, uh, which forbade Aryans from marrying non-Aryans uh, and made non-Aryans like like my my German father who was living in Berlin at the time into second-class citizens. These laws were explicitly based on the Jim Crow laws. Uh, remember, the United States, many states banned interracial marriage until 1967, uh, and you know that's what the Hitler Nazi Nuremberg laws do. So I did, did. So, and their lawyers studied our Jim Crow laws. So when you look at, uh, if you're a European historian, uh, you're looking at Europe as the model. Uh, but I, I'm based in the black American tradition, which has always seen fascist forces as native to America. From Du Bois to Toni Morrison's 1995 speech, racism and fascism. Black American intellectuals have always used the F word to describe the racist, authoritarian, anti-Black uh, forces uh, that were, uh, were in many cases legalized in the United States. It's so interesting when you frame it that way, because I don't actually think that any of the, you know, quotes I've read, any of the interviews I've, I've read, where the European-based experts on fascism have framed it the way that you just did. And it's so important. So I just want to sort of um, repeat and reiterate so that people it really sinks in. When we think so, about, because when we think about Hitler, we're not thinking about our own history. So we're thinking about like sort of looking over at what Hitler did and being like, this is the top, you know, level bad in terms of um, fascism um, and genocide. But here in the United States, we we did genocide. We did it first. So can can right. you can you we can were you a model? We were a model, as Hitler yeah, so says in his second book. Who I want to dig deeper speak? into this point because this is the point that I think people aren't getting. How how important is it for us to understand our own history to understand that we can be fascist? It's vitally important, which is why. Uh, one sign of fascism is an attack on history teaching in schools. That's what we see. The attack on critical race theory is nothing more than an attack on the exact history that we need to learn in order to protect ourselves from fascism, in order to understand that it can happen here, that its roots are in fact here. That's what they want to do. They want to erase that history. All over the world, fascist regimes or neo-fascist regimes uh, uh, start by attacking history teaching in the schools. If you attack history teaching in the schools, then people don't know uh, what anti-fascist forces are combating. 
So, uh, so in Russia, the Russian population doesn't know about Russia's crime, past crimes and genocide in Ukraine because it's not allowed to be taught. Uh, that's what they're trying to do with schools here. They're trying to erase the teaching of our history so they can bring back harsh voter suppression, various tactics from the Jim Crow era, which are, are now going to be illegal to teach in schools. This is blowing my mind a little. And it, it's not because it's all new information that you're saying. It's that you're putting it in a different context than um, even even I fully understood it up until this very moment, which I always le like learning live on the radio. It's my favorite thing. Um, I'm always trying to like figure out the questions to ask to elicit information that is new um, that can help us all wrap our minds around what's happening. So one of the things that you talk a lot about in your book, um, how fascism works, is the myths um, that you know fascist leaders utilize. Um, to keep their supporters in line and sort of engage. We saw that throughout the Trump administration. I mean, he was always pandering to the base. I'm like, I think your base likes you um, enough. Like, why do you have to keep repeating the same message, going back to the same sort of racist rhetoric to, you know, rile up the base? You know, can you explain some of the myths um, that fascist leaders use um, to engage their base, to keep them, you know, riled up and 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 how that dynamic works because i think that's something that we need to fully understand to understand why the people in the trump cult are there and then stay there so the core fascist structure is great replacement theory the idea that the dominant group is going to be replaced by minorities and uh so so uh, that they're going to be culturally replaced that they're going to be physically replaced and the idea is that the Marxists, the communists, the Jews are engineering this replacement to displace, to, to recenter the society so that say women or non-Christians or secular people or non-whites will, will be at the center, will, will have equal uh, attention. So the myth here is that in the past, the country was great. And it was great because the dominant group ruled because men were men, women were in the kitchen, uh, and and this and Marxists and communists are engineering an overturning of this wonderful pure past, and they're trying to make you feel guilty about this past. And democracy allows this because democracy gives equal rights to minorities, and so democracy itself is the enemy because democracy enables minorities to. Uh, to gain equal power and equal status. And the fascist leader tells his base, the minorities are going to, they don't want equality, they want to take over. The feminists don't want equality with men, they want to take over from men. Uh, the uh, the, uh, the, the uh, black Americans don't want equality, they want to displace white Americans. And then the idea is this is all arranged behind the scenes by Marxists. In the past, these Marxists were said to be Jewish. Now, the Jewish part isn't really mentioned, uh, but uh, the idea is always the same. Uh, Marxists are, are creating labor unions uh, for, uh, there to, uh, where everyone is equal. Uh, democracy and liberalism allow this. Uh, and what we really need is the dominant majority to protect itself 
by eliminating democracy, by eliminating labor unions, by eliminating all these mechanisms of equality, because those in the, in the fascist imaginary, those mechanisms for equality are simply mechanisms to give minorities license to, to take over. It's so crazy when I sit and I, so I, I'm sitting here in the body of a black woman, right? So when I hear you say that, I'm like, well, what's wrong with equality? Because I start from a place where I'm not equal. That's my lived experience. That's the lived experience of, of anyone out there who's not a cisgendered white man. But isn't the entire premise based on the perspective of a cisgendered white man? I mean, our whole society is sort of set up and the lens through which we look at everything is from that perspective. Isn't that the problem? Because, you know, why is equality framed as something that's dangerous? That is the assumption is that you're starting from a place um, where you were at the top of, of the structure, not that you are a black person, um, because as a black person, of course, you'd want equality because you, you're not equal. There are so many manifestations of that truth. So, um, I mean, I feel like the assumption of this sort of message is that you're, you're a white person who's at the top and you want to stay there. Absolutely. Because if you're a member of the dominant group, which in the United States are uh, are white men, then uh, then any then equality will feel like a loss because you're no longer centered. Not every show is about you. Not every uh, not 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 all all the not all the politicians uh, have your face. So equality is going to seem like uh, like inequality to you because what you think of as equality is in fact your privileged position, and this is why you find. Uh, even in Alexander Stevens, the, the cornerstone speech and many of uh, the vice president of the Confederacy and many Confederate doctrine, do documents, you, you find them speaking about equality, but they're speaking about equality just for white men. Um, now, a, a fascist grouping in the United States, I mean, Toni Morrison in her 1995 speech, Racism and Fascism, points this out. Uh, fascism always involves having collaborators. So, uh, so uh, you uh, and, and fascist groupings know this. So they want, they want uh, people in the oppressed minority to whitewash for them what's going on. So that too, so that's one of Toni Morrison's uh, characteristics of fascism that, you know, the use of collaborators to whitewash the process. And what we've got now in the United States is we've got a kind of grouping uh, what you need to have is you need to have a grouping of people supporting the fascist social and political movement that's large enough so you have plausible deniability. So you can say, okay, we're not just white supremacists. Uh, so you get people who hate the LGBT community there uh, who might not be, some of whom might not be white. Um, you, get, uh, uh, you, you get white women to whitewash the anti-feminism aspect. Uh, you, uh, you get, you, you have... Uh, you have anti-Islamophobes, uh, homophobes, you know, uh, and so you have this grouping of people, some of whom might even hate each other, um, but each of them are unified by hatred of some minority group. Oh, yep, yep. I hope you guys, um, your light bulbs <laughs> are going off because mine are. I don't know about you, but putting the pieces, the puzzle pieces are, are coming together for me this morning. Um, what are the dangers that you see of us not stopping this trend here? Because I feel like we 
are in a particular moment where there are a lot of people who are like, oh, this seems like this could be a problem. But, you know, it was a problem before Donald Trump was elected. It was a problem while he was president. It was a problem all the way leading up to the insurrection and still to this day because he's like, well, I might run again in 2024. I mean, how how have any sort of are there any historical examples where people avoided catastrophe? What can we do um, in this moment to protect our democracy? And what are the dangers of not stopping this trend? So here's the good news. We live in a country that has a long history of fighting fascism. We have an anti-fascist battalion in our country among that we call them black Americans. <laughs> they have a history <laughs> of fighting fascist fascism in the most extreme conditions. The civil rights movement was not conducted in Vermont. It was constructed con conducted in Alabama and Mississippi in the, in the 1950s and the 1960s. Think about that. So we have an anti-fascist brigade in our country. We, uh, the, what's key here, um, fascism draws in uh, alliances from non-fascists. So social conservatives aren't fascists. Every democracy needs social conservatives. Uh, that's part of, a, of the democratic umbrella. Uh, every democracy needs progressives. Um, but when what fascists say to social conservatives is, you know, we're going to deliver for you. We're going to get abortion illegalized. We're going to overturn Roe versus Wade. We'll go after the LGBT community. Um, uh, each of each of the, uh, the business community goes in for fascism because the uh, the fascist leader will say, we'll take care of the labor unions. We'll cut your taxes. So in Germany, the business. Uh, the 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 uh, the most powerful business concerns backed Hitler because he promised to smash the labor unions. So what's going to be key? Two things are going to be key. Well, one thing is key going forward: solidarity, uh, solidarity in the face of these forces. The business community needs to recognize that this is not fascism is not good for business. I mean, what when fascism wins, uh, there's no fair free market or fair business environment. You need to have connections to the fascist leaders and the fascist party. Look at what Ron DeSantis is doing in Florida. He's telling the business community, you either line up behind me or you're going to pay. So it's not fascism is not good for business. It's not in the end good for social conservatives. Uh, it's it's if you want to live in a you know social conservatives need need to need need to recognize that you know freedom for others doesn't mean restrictions for them. Uh, they can they can live uh, they can live uh, they can live as they want in a country where other people uh, live differently. Uh, and finally, the mechanism for solidarity is the labor movement. Again and again, you find a connection between fascist politics. Well, you find fascist politics vilifying labor movements. Why do they do that? Because unions draw us together at their best. Unions, of course, are flawed like anything else, but unions draw us together. Unions. Uh, you know, whether you're black, white, Asian, woman, man, LGBT, uh, gender, uh, uh, cis, uh, uh, or, or a gender fluid, whatever you are, you like the weekend. <laughs> the weekend is a great thing. <laughs> so, so unions bring us together and they make politics material. They make people care about, you know, uh, uh, getting, getting time off. Um, having good work conditions, having health insurance. So 
Uh, what fascist politics does is it tries to make conditions awful so that you feel like you need the fascist leader. Um, we need to have these mechanisms like labor unions where people who are very different work together for material gain for everybody. Uh, so solidarity, and we need mechanisms that foster solidarity, like the labor movement. I think that's actually one of the first times in my entire life that I have heard the point made about labor unions and Hitler, and it just, my, my like, spidey senses lit up. I was like, oh my gosh, there's a whole other aspect of this um, in terms of how the business community um, could go along with fascism. Um, and that just made that crystal clear in my brain. So I hope you all at home are following along. In terms of um, the normalization of political violence, because that's one of the other aspects of fascism that I think is a, you know, a unique threat um, in this present moment. We've lived through the insurrection. So it's not like, what's, you know, what is the risk of this political rhetoric or what if something happens? Something has happened. People have died. Um, how how do you see how has violence, political violence in the United States, become normalized? And how do we? I don't know how to say it. Unnormalize it, marginalize yeah. it, make it not normal. <laughs> right, right. Uh, no, you're asking those. Are, these are great and vital questions because what what anti-fascist work has done is it made, is made sort of the open racism of our past uh, anathema. Uh, and that is now changing back. Um, so, and now we have political violence. The, I, I mean, we've, we've had political violence in the past in the United States. Um, Martin Luther King was assassinated. Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. Uh, so we've certainly, political violence is not foreign to the United States, but we're gonna get a lot, I, I predict we're gonna get a lot more political violence. And of course the, uh, uh, there's a kind of arming of the far right happening all across the country. So, uh, so uh, the question about how to how to uh, to make it not normal. Well, well, one thing is we need gun control. <laughs> uh, so you can see the Supreme Court is really juicing the conditions for fascism, uh, mm. which I think they're doing intentionally because it's a far right, extreme right, radical Republican Supreme Court. So, uh, so we have you know, massive number of guns in private hands, um, an extremist version of the Second Second Amendment pioneered by Justice Thomas has taken over. Uh, so, so we would need to uh, remove those, uh, those guns, which, which, or, you know, people can use guns for hunting, uh, but, you know, AR-15s and things like this um, are in the hands of private citizens are problematic. Um, we, uh, we need to just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to know what to do when you have so many weapons in private hands because people get angry. Um, we, I mean, as, jo as Jonathan Metzl has ably demonstrated in Dying of Whiteness, the biggest victim of guns are white men who kill themselves mm -hmm. in massive numbers when guns are uh, so widely available. Uh, but to me, when you have so many guns in private hands, especially these very dangerous guns, plus this toxic environment of violent political rhetoric. Um, it's kind of like a tinderbox. It feels that way. It really does. We only have one more minute here. Um, do you think that the January 6th committee hearings are doing enough to 
at least unearth, um, you know, what happened so that we can work to, um, you know, make sure that violence is not normalized, that this does not happen again. Um, I mean, how are you watching these hearings and are they effective? We only have one more minute, but. But they're very effective, but of course, they're not doing enough. Mm. In fact, it's, it's scary because they've made everything very clear. We now know that every Republican around Trump knew the election was fair and knew Trump was lying and still went along with him. So we now know very explicitly that the Republican Party, the large, the many Republican leaders are against democracy and uh, they're, they're openly anti-democratic and none of them, none of them had any illusions about what, what, what was happening. So, uh, so now that that's all completely out in the open, the anti-democratic nature of a, say, a Ted Cruz or a Josh Hawley, um, you know, uh, the American people have to punish them at the polls. That's the only possible solution. Well, we um, here on Progress, uh, we believe that every single person listening to the sound of my voice that is eligible to vote should participate in the process um, so that we can prevent some of the, these dangerous things from happening. And I think that we should all heed this warning. Professor Jason Stanley, thank you so much again for being here um, to help us kick off this week um, and deep dive into fascism. I feel like I learned 10 new things today that I actually didn't even anticipate. So I always love that. Um, Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.